What's up, fam? Welcome to Love Alive Church, the podcast, where we exist to help you find family, discover purpose, and change the world. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. I hope that it's a blessing to you and your family. Let's go. I really do thank God for being a part of a church that's so sensitive to the voice of God and the Holy Spirit and the plan of God in every service which is why we can design and experience the same and every service still feel different. If you hung around for the 1115, we have the same experience design. It's going to feel different because God always responds to who's in the room. And I just love being a part of a church like that. We talked last week about why we value worship so much. You know, we talk, as we were talking about culture and family, we talked about one of the things as a family is that we value worship. If you come into this place, you will see that we, everything leads off with worship. So we see it as the most important thing. In our literally, it's the most important thing that we do. It's the only thing that we're gonna do eternally. Amen. So when we leave this earth, I ain't gonna be preaching in heaven. Amen. He won't need the why would the Lord need me to preach? He is the word, right? But worship is something that we're gonna do both here on earth and in heaven. And so I'm making preparation. I want to keep getting better and better and better at it. And I've loved to worship it since I was a child. I've been worshiping before I could sing. That's a whole message right there. Because sometimes we think that we got to be gifted and talented in order. But worship is about what we give God from our heart. It's about a true expression. Amen. So you might not sound as good as some people who are on the stage. Make your joyful noise, baby. Amen. Some of y'all be too scared. Like, I ain't going to make a joyful noise in my neighborhood. They ain't going to say I sound like, who cares? Look, and if you do it long enough, he might give you a little something. You know, I wanted to worship, I wanted to be a worship leader so bad, you know, and my, my dad wrote in one of his books, he wrote this story, I didn't even know this was happening, but when I first started desiring to be a worship, a worship leader, actually, so I was one, I love worship, but I desired to be a worship leader, I would sit, go around the house and I'd be singing, and just singing my heart out, I mean, I'm doing, and they said that they would be in the room laughing at me, my mom and daddy, amen, <laughs> just laughing. But God saw a heart that was pure, and the Lord knew that if he gave me the ability, I would always give him everything I have. There's never a moment that I approach worship lazy. That's a word, amen? Because too many times we approach the throne lazy. We get in the presence of God and give God, we give him that Cain kind of offering. Okay, well, let me see what I can get together for you today. And Abel was considerate of what he gave to God. Now, we also will begin to think that God is okay with whatever we give him, but that's not true. God is okay when we give him our best. This ain't even in the notes, right? God is okay when we give him our best. The Bible lets us know that he did not receive Cain's offering. He was not pleased. And Cain got upset with Abel because Abel was giving God the best. This is not in the notes, amen. Sometimes we get upset with somebody else who's giving God their best, and so then God is also releasing his best, and we get upset because they getting the best. Why well, they always get everything? Every time I turn around, well, what are you giving? Culture carriers, amen. <laughs> that was for somebody today. When you consider what you're giving to God, that goes across so many things. 
God will come when he wants you to give your worship, when he wants you to give your finances. Don't let somebody fool you and tell you God don't want you to give money. That's foolish. Amen. I'm going to do a whole series on it. Not because I'm trying to get something from you, but I'm trying to get you to understand what the word says. Because so many people will start saying things out their feelings based upon what they want to do, and it's not the Bible. Culture carriers. The word is the word. You're not going to change it. Now, you can choose whether or not you're going to live by it, but you're not going to change the word of God. And we ain't going to change it either. We're going to preach the word. In the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> well, I know the plans I have for you says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I love this scripture because it speaks to the strategic mind of God concerning me and the strategic mind of God concerning you. And when God looks at you, he can have a strategic plan for you and for you and for me too. And they don't look the same. And God is so gifted and his ability that he can literally imagine and reimagine over and over again and continue to create infinitely. Look around the room. Are you looking at anybody that looks just like you? Nah. I don't care how close you might get it. It's still something different, right, because of God's mind. So he, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Now, culture carriers, we talked about culture last week, and I love this quote that we put up from Mike Buss. A lot of you remember this. It said, a culture carrier is someone who has intimate knowledge of the company values and can have an intelligent discussion about why their company does what it does. They are ambassadors for their company and passionately work to promote the company values in their day-to-day -day dealings with clients and coworkers. Over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to unpack the culture, the vision of our church. When we first planned to do this series, we had no idea that we would just be moving into this facility. But the timing of God, the strategic mind of God to know what we would need and us to be sensitive to what he said, right? And so God put us in this series and we are learning how to carry the culture. I talked about this last week that a culture is going to be built in any organization whether or not you are intentional about it. Even in your home, the home, the family unit is an organization that has a culture set. If you are not intentional about the culture you're building, you will live with the results of what happened, right? So I'd rather be in the driver's seat of whatever needs to be built, right? So in my home, we got a culture, right? We participate together in building that. Ain't that right, baby? And every now and then, we look around and say, we really doing this, amen? Last night, we were laying on the couch, and I was like, I don't know, like, I'm just having a moment, like, how did we get four kids? <laughs> and they're like, really growing up. I mean, I know how we got them, amen? <laughs> Recreational, amen. But, but I was looking and saying, we're building something good. I'm looking at how they're developing. I'm looking, and, and when you build it, there, there will come a time that my kids will go into places, and it already happens, where people can identify not just how they look, but how they respond in situations. They'll say, I know who your daddy is. Or I know, have you ever walked into a situation, they say, oh, I know who your people are. And sometimes it's about a look, but sometimes it's about a, an act.
Amen. Sometimes it's about a smell. Amen. You know, houses be having a smell. Some of them good and some of them bad. Some of them are unique. I always smell this smell when certain people come. I'm not supposed to talk about that kind of stuff. Y'all know y'all be thinking it, though. I know your people. I only smell that smell when they come up. <laughs> purpose. Because <laughs> today we want to talk about discovering purpose. You know, we exist to do three things. Help me out. What? Find family. I love that you can ask any random person that who's been in love alive for any period of time, and they're going to repeat that. Right, because we have been good and intentional about sharing that. But these weeks that we've designed have been to help you to understand what that means. And so today we want to talk about discovering purpose. And the subtopic is what you're doing, baby. What you doing? Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. What you doing, baby? Look at your other neighbor on the other side, say neighbor. Or say, baby, what is you doing? <laughs> because if the Lord has taken his time to create you and fashion you and form you, there is something that he wants you to do. God did not just put you on this earth to be existing, but he put you on this earth to be doing something with the time that he's given you here. Amen. We will not be on this earth eternally, but the time that we have been assigned here, we need to be effective in what he has given us to do. Every single day, day in and day out, we need to be doing something. Purpose is defined as the reason for which something exists or is done, made, used. It's an intended or desired result, end, aim, or goal. Everything that is created is created with a purpose. Everything is created with a reason or intended, desired result or aim or goal in mind. If you don't know, just ask the person that made it. Now, confusion will always exist when something is not being used the way it should be or being used outside of its purpose. So I'm going to need y'all to help me out a little bit today. Y'all like, what in the world is about to go on, right? Now, y'all ought to be somewhat intelligent. This is a what? What kind of knife? What should we use it for? What is this? A blanket, combo, whatever you want to get, it's a blanket, right? What should it be used for? Cover you up, all right. What is this? What should it be used for? Mm-hmm. What is this? What should it be used for? I love this class, y'all smart. What is this? What should it be used for? My Lord, some of y'all about to catch on to this. What is this? What should it be used for? Now, this is the problem because some of y'all like to rig stuff up. Amen. Like you like to rig your purpose up, all right? Put the first picture up, all right? Some of y'all think the pliers are TV knobs. Raise your hand if you were in a house that ever used pliers as a TV knob. 
I know we don't have the knobs on the TV anymore. And some of y'all too young, but we used them pliers when that little knob broke out, right? Y'all remember the TV with the little wood thing? That, the one that you couldn't lift off the ground. They just stayed there. Pliers, using them, okay. Go to the next one. The hanger as the TV antenna. Go, raise your hand if you ever used. Come on. I knew y'all was ratchet in here, amen. <laughs> is there, what is the hanger supposed to be used for? But y'all done got creative in, okay. Go to the next one. High heel shoe being used as a hammer. Lift your hand if you ever used a high heel shoe as a hands going up all over the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Go to the next one. Butter knife screwdriver. I lost one of my things in here. I was supposed to have my rubber band, but we still gonna use it. I ain't gonna even make you raise your hand because some of y'all did that, and that's just crazy. Because that hurting everything, all right? Go to the next one. We done all rolled down the road and seen something crazy like this. And you wanna stop him and say, baby, just leave the car at home, okay? Because at this one, we concerned. The last one. Who has ever used a comforter or a blanket as a curtain? See, y'all like to be rigging stuff up, right? <laughs> now that we've established the kind of people y'all are in the room. Don't worry, I've been there too, amen? I'm Sophista Ratchet, amen. You know, but a lot of times we, we use things outside of their purpose and we try to rig things up, right? And so when things are not being used according to their purpose, they kind of are sketchy in their effectiveness. They become weird, right? Confusing. It's unattractive. Like when, you, when you're using something outside of what it should be used, it don't even look right. You're like, that's actually strange, okay? And so God created each of us, and so we all have a purpose. And when we are not utilizing our lives according to the purpose that God has for each of us individually, it looks strange, it's sketchy. It doesn't feel right. Nothing is worse than seeing somebody try to be somebody they're not. Have you ever looked at somebody and be like, oh, you really are trying hard to be such and such, right? It feels weird because you, what you're trying to say is there has to be a uniqueness to who you are created to be. Why are you trying to force something that is not for you? So with your purpose, you should not be forcing it. It should be something you flow with. It doesn't mean that there will not be friction because the enemy will try to create friction when you're moving in your purpose. But if you flow with your purpose, then God will flow with you. 
So let's talk about the biblical basis for discovering your purpose because there is a reason. Everything that's in our vision, you can see in the word of God. We're not just doing stuff just to do it. It's stuff that's in the word of God. And so discovering your purpose is something that's important in the word of God. Number one, God knows us and has determined our purpose before our birth. He knows us and he has determined our purpose before our birth. I read this scripture already, but let's read it again. In Jeremiah 1 and 5, I knew you before your before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before I, you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. In other words, God looked at Jeremiah and said, I already saw you before you were even a thought, and I had already figured out who you would be. And sometimes it takes a while to figure out what that's supposed to be. Sometimes God announces it. Sometimes God has spoken to your parents before you came into the earth. Sometimes God will use a prophet. But what God will do for every believer is put you in a position to discover why he created you. Matter of fact, you don't have to be a believer for God to show you why he created you. It's just a faster track if you do it with God. But everybody was created with a purpose. Somebody say, I have a purpose. Now, number two, God's purpose for us is not determined by circumstance. God's purpose for us is not determined by circumstance. Scripture says in Romans 8 and 28, and we know what? That God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And so circumstances can present themselves, but the purpose of God will prevail over circumstance because it's not determined by that. What the enemy will try to lie to you and tell you is because of your circumstance, you no longer have purpose. And he'll try to get you to live beneath your purpose because he'll tell you that you can only flow in purpose if you've done this or if you have this, if you have enough money, if you have enough connections, if you all of these things when you have to understand that your purpose is not determined by circumstance. It ain't determined by people. A couple of weeks ago, we had a um, pastor's breakfast in here. There's a breakfast that happens in the city uh, with some local pastors, so we hosted it, and I said something, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to sound way worse than what it is, but I mean it, right? So I was telling him, I was like, I'm going to say this, but it's whatever. And so I was dealing with uh, the story of David when David went against Goliath. And when David first showed up to fight Goliath, the Bible says that Saul and the people around Saul, they laughed. They thought it was funny. Like, <laughs> you, did you see all these other people that tried to fight Goliath and couldn't get it done? Right? Circumstance. Because when you are trying to execute your purpose, people will think that it's comical when they have tried to assess who you are without understanding how God is flowing through you. And people, people will begin to believe that they have an understanding of timing. You're not supposed to do this now. You're not. People think they know everything when they cannot determine what God has already predetermined. All right. So David is there. And not only is David there, then all of a sudden Saul says, well, if you, you don't even believe in him, but if you're going to go out in battle, put on my armor. Now, I, there's two theories about why Saul might have said this. One, he might have wanted people to think he was the one actually out there fighting. Right. And then the second is that if you're going to be successful, I want to get the credit for it. Have you ever had people that, right, they try to get the credit? And so, so what will happen, too, is people will present an armor to you on if you're going to be successful, you must do it this way. 
in church planting, there are a lot of people that tell you, you must do it this way to be successful. I love ARC. It's a church planting organization. We got trained through them. However, uh, for a lot of people, they go through that training, they get chewed up and spit out, and they all come out looking the exact same. This is how we plant a church. And for my wife and I, it was, we are going to be true to who God called us to be. Thank you for systems, but it's going to be our unique identity that called us this church to grow how God wants it to grow. Right? And so the armor was presented, and David said, look, I appreciate your armor, but when I was out and I was fighting against the bear, I ain't had his armor. And when I was out and I was fighting against the lion, I ain't had his armor. And so, yes, I see your armor, but I don't need it. And it may look foolish to you that I'm going to take these five rocks and this slingshot, but I got a big God that's attached to this, and my purpose is going to propel beyond this circumstance. So I said to that room of pastors, I said, I must be honest with you. When it comes to what God has called me to do and how he has called me to do it, I don't care what any of you think about it. Because the uniqueness of what and how he called me to do it is how I'm going to do it. And I need you to get bold enough to not care what I think about yours, too. Because the problem is we come into these rooms and we try to morph into each other. And God has not called us to do the same thing the same way. We are all called to reach the lost, but we got a people that we are called to. And if we're not doing it in our unique way, then God can't get it done the way he wants to get it done. The last thing oh, with this, the, the, the biblical basis for God has and will fulfill his purpose for each of us. Psalms 57 and 2, I cry out to the most, to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. Now, I want to go through this briefly. Why do we value discovering purpose? I love this scripture in John the ninth chapter. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned by us, uh, assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, he told him go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others, look, listen to this, who knew him as a blind beggar, asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said no. He just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Several things here. I look at the fact that he can see as a means of now being able to discover. And then the fact that Jesus focused so much on what we were doing or should be doing while we have the ability to do. And so why do we value discovering purpose here? Number one, we value truth. Truth is not something that's relative, it's absolute. In this, Jesus literally exercises truth about purpose because he knows the condition and the purpose of the condition. 
in verse 1, we read, it says, as Jesus was walking, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Jesus wasn't told that the man was blind. He already knew the truth of the circumstance. But he also knew that God had a purpose for the condition. That even in that condition, God was trying to use it for his glory. And a lot of times when our life is faced with obstacles or challenges, we get frustrated with God because we are so quick to magnify the problem and we have not asked God to help us to see the purpose. And the quicker that we ask God to help us to see the purpose, the easier we can flow through. And so the enemy will lie and tell us we have no purpose because our current condition is not favorable. When the truth is, the road to discovering purpose, sometimes it's smooth and sometimes it's bumpy. I was telling somebody the other day that a lot of times when we're navigating even our greatest success in life, have you noticed that it's also met with great struggle? And there's a purpose in both. Because the success keeps us moving towards what God's calling us to. The, per, the, the, the struggle helps us to continue to see that we need God as we go. And sometimes if we have one without the other, right, it can become detrimental either way. Second thing, we value clarity. So we help people to get clarity about their purpose through next steps. If you have not gone through it, you should. We literally design next steps so that you can get clarity about your purpose. When you go through it, there's a spiritual gifts assessment that you do. It actually helps you to discover where you have natural ability and specific areas that you can utilize both for God internally and externally as well. So the disciples demonstrate confusion, but Jesus comes to give them clarity. They say, Rabbi, his disciples ask him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sin? Here comes Jesus with clarity. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So here we got two groups. We got the critics, the disciples, and the confused man. Right? The critics are like, there got to be some reason. He had to have done something for this to happen. And sometimes the critics can be external, and sometimes the critic can be internal. That you're navigating difficulty and you begin to allow the enemy to tell you that your current condition was because of something you had done. When sometimes it has nothing to do with that. It's about God getting the glory. When Lazarus died, it was not about what Lazarus or Mary or Martha had done. It was Jesus knowing that I'm about to come and do a miracle that will be undeniable. Which is why Romans 8 and 28 says, and we know that God calls us everything what, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Number three, we value direction. We value direction. I love in the scripture that Jesus not only begins to minister to him, but then he directs him on what, he directs him on what to do. What does he say to him? He say, go, right, to the pool of Siloam. This is where you're going to land direction and when you go over there right this is what I want you to do I like that he also begins to speak to them about what they need to be doing he says in this scripture we must quickly carry out what the task assigned us by who the one who sent us why the night is coming we all have an expiration date <laughs> 
And we can't work down here once we expire. So while we are here, why are you already retired when God is And the thing about purpose, you can't really retire purpose. Purpose is an everyday thing until God decides to retire you. The last thing I remind you, you can come, we value the new birth. We understand that part of our purpose, even coming alive, is sometimes going through transformation. The transformation part becomes important, right? Because people will try to identify you by where you once were. <laughs> In John, the ninth chapter, go to the scripture, 89, it says, His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yeah, I'm the same one. I'm the same one you used to see on the streets. I'm the same one you used to see clubbing. I'm the same one that was promiscuous. I'm the same one that was selling drugs. I'm the same, yeah, I am. But now God took all of that and created purpose in me. Some people see when Saul went to the Paul transformation, he had that, that Damascus experience. I love it because it's like it's Damascus, but I believe that God was demasking him. He said, I want to take something off. You put the wrong identity on. I want to take it off. You received something that I did not give to you. And some of you came in there, you have the wrong identity on. You have the wrong mask on. God said, let me show you who you are. Let me show you your purpose. I'm going to take it off. And some people won't be able to receive the new you, but who I've called you to receive, the will I've called you to, they will receive you. What I love about Saul, the Saul to Paul transformation, is he was so busy and so bold about killing Christians. And God said, all I need is your boldness. If I can get that boldness, you've been using that boldness the wrong way. If I can get that, you can go transform areas, you great apostle. I call you to go into areas uh, and begin to establish churches. Uh, I want you to go and build order. Yes, you were killing Christians, but I'm going to call the same one to go and win the loss. Some of you, it's time for you to discover your purpose. We've designed ways to help you with that here. Let us as your family help you to be who God called you to be, standing your feet all over this place.